Jude, beginning to read, please. Verse 16. These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's persons in admiration because of advantage. But beloved, remember ye the words which were spoken before the apostles of our Lord Jesus Christ, how that they told you there should be mockers in the last time who should walk after their own ungodly lusts. These be they who separate themselves, sensual, having not the spirit. Again, mark it, having not the spirit. Capital S, Holy Spirit, that is. Verse 20. But ye, beloved, building up yourselves on your most holy faith, praying in the Holy Ghost, keep yourselves in the love of God, looking for the mercy of our Lord Jesus Christ unto eternal life. And of some have compassion, making a difference, and others save with fear, pulling them out of the fire, hating even the garments spotted by the flesh. Notice the word, the flesh. A garment spotted by the flesh. Not having the spirit, a garment spotted by the flesh. Let's pray. Father, we ask you now in this, we sense you. We're conscious of you. Lord, I'm conscious of your anointing upon me now, and I ask you to enable this frail vessel to speak your word with clarity with boldness, but Lord, in love, I ask you, Lord, that you would take your word to every heart and print it upon every heart. Lord, that you would inscribe it there and upon every mind. And Lord, would you quicken the dead? Would you arouse the sleeper? Lord, would you excite those who seek your face, maybe turn our hearts to you. Not turn, Father, our works to you, but may we turn our hearts to you. Give us the reality. Give us the consciousness of your presence that you are in the midst. Help us this morning, Lord, to take every word in our ears and drop it into our spirit. Lord, this morning we pray that you would encourage your people, challenge us, and strengthen us, and glorify the name which you have given your Son, your name, the Lord Jesus Christ. For your name's sake we ask it and for your glory. Amen. We looked at a few weeks at how Paul said in the church had come certain men who were like modernists today trying to explain away the scriptures to make it fit their time in the day or their time in the day of the writing. We see how those modernists are like in the, ta- in the church today. They try and explain away the spiritual things and the spiritual wonders and the glories and the beauties 
uh, of our Lord and the things of his spirit, try and explain it away with carnality, with, with uh, there must be an explanation of this that brings out a rational idea and a thought because we forget that God is spirit and we tend to look through fleshy, carnal, 2020 vision eyes and wonder, uh, is this it? And people start to move and walk and believe uh, a carnal mindset. The murmurers, if you remember, when we look back at murmuring Israel murmuring in the wilderness, they went into a frame of mind. The idea is they went into a frame of mind and they weren't able to be moved out of it. No matter what you did, no matter how hard God would try to get through, as it were, saying it reverently toward God, they were just in a mindset. Their mindset wouldn't change. Their mindset wouldn't be moved. They thought, this is us. This is where we're staying. This is the way we are. And we're not going to look at the supernatural. And so, why not looking at the supernatural? All they saw were fears. All they heard were lies. All they saw was their carnality. All they saw were dead, lifeless things because they couldn't see the supernatural, because they couldn't believe in the supernatural. They took the supernatural God and made him into an idol. They took the supernatural God and made him into a calf, as it were, in their mindset. They put their minds into gold. They put their minds into a gold which went into a fire which came out a calf. And in doing that, they said, This be thy gods, O Israel, that brought thee out of Egypt. And in saying that, they're saying, God is no more than our minds can imagine. God is no more than our eyes can see. God is no more than we believe him to be. And that is it. But God is the God of the universe, the creator of all things, who speaks it forth and it happens. And he, he speaks it as though, to things that are not as though they were. In other words, he's already uh, transcending time. He's already transcending spaces, we would say. In other words, we're just trying to catch up with him. And he's calling us further, deeper, higher into the things of the spirit and with him. And we're just trying to always catch up because our carnality tends to imprison us. Our mindsets tend to hold us back. Our mindsets show us the, in, uh, uh, the inability of things, the impossibility of things. Our mindset shows us the, uh, the things that would uh, determine whether God can or can't, will or won't. And so we become so theologized at times. We become so denominationalized at times. And we become just so uh, uh, atheistic at times. We find that in that, the Lord becomes whom we want him to be in our mind. And God can't move out of that box and God dare not move upon his people who are open to the moving of his spirit and God dare not speak in another language and God dare not do signs and wonder and miracle for if God does, God doesn't do that anymore. But yet the Bible distinctly and expressly tells us that Jesus Christ is the same yesterday and today and forever. He says, I am the Lord, I change not. And look, we love how our God is the same. I am the Lord, I change not. Therefore, you sons of Jacob are not consumed, he said. In other words, you're still Jacob's sons. You're still the sons of flesh. You're still the sons of the twister. Jacob means twister, the surplanter. He says, but yet, because I don't change, I still do the miracle sign and wonder. Because I don't change, I still bless you. Because I don't change, I still love you. Because I don't change, I still save and I still deliver. It's because of who I am, he says, that I haven't consumed you. Not because of yourself. 
Now notice this. These people came in with a mindset. And this mindset really started to direct themselves. They became separate, as it were. It says sensual. In other words, they looked for the senses, the five senses of humanity. And they started trying to take it in if they couldn't see it with their eye, if they couldn't hear it with an ear, if they, if they couldn't smell it or taste it, you know, if they couldn't touch it, then it wasn't real. And it became a place where it had to be explained. And that's where carnality came in. And that's where they are spotted by the flesh. Christianity in general has become spotted by the flesh. If the Holy Ghost was to be removed from many churches, if the Holy Ghost was being removed from Christianity, uh, universal, if, I, if you want to put it, it is, it is reckoned that over 80% of the work would still go on because it's program work, because it's the ceremonial work. And 80% of it would still go on, but a remnant would realize that God has withdrawn himself. Now, remnant would realize there's something amiss here from the part of God. And a remnant would look at this and say, you know, we must seek after him. And even the hymn that Gary and the team led us at, or the song at the, uh, during the time of breaking bread, the more that I seek you, is it the more that I find you? And the more I find you, the more that I love you. And yet there are those who seek not after him because of the flesh. And their Christianity has been spotted by the flesh. The flesh is the lust of the eyes and the pride of life. The flesh is that which we crave after, we desire. So these murmurers were in a mindset, and many come in a mindset, and they say, thus far, Lord, and no further. They say to the Holy Ghost, I don't want you to move any further than this. They say to Jesus, I don't know about loving you because I don't know if you love me. And all these sort of things go around our heads. And there's spots upon spots upon spots upon our garments. Here we have these people come in. They were murmurers. Then they were called complainers. Remember, they were, there were those who were uh, unsatisfied with whatever they were given. Couldn't satisfy them. You couldn't please them. You couldn't help them. And they were unsatisfied. They were uncontent or discontented with their lot. And we looked at it last week. And then we looked at lusts. And we want to stay there for a moment and look at it in the little epistle of Jude, please. He says in verse 16, These are murmurers, complainers, walking after their own lusts, and their mouth speaketh great swelling words, having men's person in admiration because, look at it, because of advantage. In other words, they were looking to those who would prosper them. They were looking to advantages in being in fellowship. That is, in the fellowship and humanity, instead of looking at the advantages and the prosperity of salvation, redemption, and forgiveness, and justification, and righteousness, which is in Christ. And so they saw an advantage in society by saying, I go to church on Sunday morning, aren't I an upright person? And notice what it says here. Let your eye run down the little word I told you to underline it. It says here in verse 19, these be they who separate themselves sensual. In other words, their senses, they have to sense it. They have to feel it. They can't, they can't take it by faith. They can't move further in the spirit. 
You know why? Because it says, not having the Spirit, capital S, Holy Ghost. Not having the Spirit. Brothers and sisters, I say this with all the love in my heart, but yet sometimes with all the frustration in my heart. Answer your own self. Where are you with God? It's not a condemnation, it's a question. To have an examination. Answer in your heart. I'm not judging you. But as a pastor, sometimes I'm looking for growth. I'm looking for spirituality. Where are you with Christ? How far up the road have you come? How much growth have you had? Have the roots grown down and the fruit grown out? Have you grown in the spirit? Are you... On the road long, or yet in the road long? Notice this not having the Spirit. The Spirit is He who points us to, gives us the, the desire, the will, the want to be here this morning. So there's a good point for you this morning. That the Spirit is the one who causes us to go into the place of prayer and reading. The Spirit is the one who causes us to walk according to God's Word. The Spirit is the one who brings us closer to Christ and shows us the Son of God in all His glory. The Spirit is the one who brings us into a place with Him where we love Him. We love Him. And unashamed to say it. The Spirit is the one who causes us to be faithful in the things of God. The Spirit is the one who brings us through the hardships and the the, the dire times when we think we can't go on. He's the one who carries us on through. Sometimes our flesh, our carnality, causes us to languish in the things. And we know fine well, when you, I'm talking about me too, when we all know fine well, and we know fine rightly, as we would say, that the Spirit is telling us to get up. And go. The Spirit is telling us to get up and do. The Spirit is telling us to come and pray. The Spirit is telling us to turn it off and to open the book. The Spirit is telling us to draw near unto God that He would draw nigh unto you. And we're saying, are we in the Spirit or are we in the flesh? Which one overcomes the other? Where are you with God this morning? You know in your heart when you could do that thing for God. You know in your heart when you're doing something, I'm not talking about a dire sin, I'm saying the Lord is saying, this is my day, sanctify it for me. Or the Lord is saying to you, this is my time, come and pray and turn off that box in the corner. When we sit in our flesh and the spots start to fall on, it's like eating your dinner, eating soup with a fork. Sometimes our spirituality is like eating soup with a fork. You may get bits of it, but most of it will run down and spot your garment in the flesh. Herein, we need to examine ourselves. See where we are and where we used to be with him. and Fire for him. There's nothing too difficult, nothing too big to do for him. 
There's no job too menial. But rather, you just love Jesus and wanted to serve him. Now stay with me while we look at this. The word lust, we looked at it last week. And we looked, it can mean good or it can mean for bad. It can mean for good or it can mean for bad. Let's just read a wee verse or two. In Mark chapter 4, let's read a wee verse. <clears throat> Excuse me. Mark chapter 4. That's where I run down to one, one verse, verse 19. Jesus says, And the curse of this world and the deceitfulness of riches and the lusts of other things, entering in, choke the word, and it becometh unfruitful. Notice what the Lord says here. It's the lust of other things. The lust of other things. It's the same word here that Jude, that Jude uses of their own lusts. It's the word epithumia. And it means we have a lust for worldly things. We have a lust for fleshly things. We have a lust for carnal things. It means that they're calling our heart out. They're calling our love out. And the love that should be called out for God, the love that should be called out for Christ from our hearts, starts to diminish and it starts to take the throne of Jesus. It starts to take the throne of where he ruled and reigned over. It starts to take over the things that he once had control of in our lives. And it lives as a monarch over us. Ourselves, our golden calf, and God becomes this little God in a mantle box who says, Lord, this is all you are. This is where you are. This is who you are. And I'm comfortable outside here while you're in there. And on a Sunday morning, I'll let you out. God does not dwell in a temple made with hands. God dwells in a living temple. Blood-washed, blood-bought people. So here we have it that it's what's called out of our heart is the lusts. Do you know what it does? It chokes the word. God says, this is what I want you to do. You hear something this morning and you go automatically, Lord, you're pointing something to my heart. Lord, I have to give something over to you. Lord, you've told me to do that and I didn't. I'll put that right. Lord, I've spoken wrong to my brother or my sister. I'm going to make that up. Lord, I'm not speaking to him or her. I'm going to put that to bed right now. I'm going to make sure things are fine. And we get there and by the time we get outside, our flesh starts to rile us. We want, we want what we want in our own hearts instead of what God's heart wants. And by the time we get home, It's been choked. It's been choked. Here he says, the Lord says that the lust of other things entering in choke the word and becomes unfruitful. And many Christians wonder, why, Lord, am I not moving on spiritually? Listen, brothers and sisters, see until you and I learn to lay our own selves down. See, until you and I learn to lay our own lives down. See, until you and I learn that he is God and we are not. See, until you and I learn whom he is and who we are before him. See, until you and I learn that we are small and he is big and he is great. Until we learn that, we're never going to move on. He's not in a box. He's not an idol. He's not a statue. He's the living God who transcends time and eternity and all space and heaven and earth. 
the great creator of the heavens and the earth. That's who he is. And we put him in the box and say, you know what? He's a Sunday morning for an hour and a half or whatever. And he, he might be a Sunday night. Lord, if, I might bless you tonight, Lord, by going. I might be there tonight, Lord. I might pray to you. I might seek your face. And here he's all the time. Arms open wide. The loss of other things. I was going to do that for you, Lord, but I know you understand because I've done this instead. The Lord says, that's not my will. And that ain't my word. And that's not my way. Turn with me, please, to Luke 22. We read it coming around the table this morning. Luke 22. I want to let you know this morning, this is not a condemnation to you. Because what I'm bringing you is what God has been dealing with me. It comes here first. And I promise you that. It's been coming here first. Jesus said, it says when the hour was come, he sat down the twelve apostles with him. And he saith unto them, notice, with desire I have desired to eat this Passover with you before I suffer, before I go to the cross. The desire of my heart, it's the same word here for lusts. It's the same Greek word, epithemia. Only it's for the good, not the bad. He says, everything in me, brethren. That's what he's saying. Everything in me, brethren, was to eat this Passover with you, for I'm going to suffer. I'm going to the cross. I'm going to pay your debt. I'm going to die in your place. But my desire isn't to run away, and my desire isn't to give up, and my desire isn't to hide in a cave somewhere. My desire is to go to the desert. My desire is to say, Lord, I don't want to do this, Father. He says, my desire is what? To spend time with you. To spend time with you, he says. In other words, it's the same word for us, epithumia. He says, the very calling of my heart's desire was to sit down with you and have this Passover supper. Then I'll go and die. I know how many of us find it hard to get off the sofa. How many of us find it hard to pull back the duvet? How many of us find it so hard to stay awake one hour and watch within one hour? How many? Brothers and sisters, where are we with God? Here, the desire of his heart was to share it. Turn with me, please, to 1 John. The first little letter, epistle of John. You know, see anyone, anyone listening this morning, anyone listening who has ever had an encounter with the Lord, anyone listening this morning who has ever come to know him, Anyone listening this morning who has ever been in his presence? Any one of us who are here this morning or listening this morning? You're already feeling where we have not 
being true to him. First John, please, chapter 2, verse 15. Love not the world, and neither the things that are in the world. If any man love the world, the love of the Father is not in him. For all that is in the world, the lust of the flesh, the lust of the eyes, and the pride of life is not of the Father, but is of the world. I notice this. And the world passeth away, and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. The word love is agape, a love that is called out of the heart according to the preciousness of the object that is loved. In other words, your children call the love out of your heart because they're so precious to you. And they do nothing. It just calls the love out of your heart. That's the form of agape love. Here, John is saying, love, agape love, not the world. Don't have the world call the things out of your heart where we can spend hours doing one thing and Christ gets 10 minutes. Where we could read magazines in the Bible doesn't get a look at for death. Where we can talk on the phone or talk going around house to house. When's the last time you opened the scriptures? When's the last time you read the word? Here he's saying, if it's calling you like that, there's something wrong. Love not the world, neither the things that are in the world. Those things that the world has, don't let it call your love out. He says, if any man love the world, in other words, if it's calling out the love of your heart, then it says, the love of the Father is not in him. Not your Father doesn't love you, but that the Father isn't calling your love out because he's your Father, because he's your God. He's saying, if you love him, he says, if you love him, he'll call the love out of your heart. And if you love him, he says, the things of the world won't have any pull on you. They'll not have any temptation on you. They won't have any draw on you. If you love him, if you love him, you'll serve him. If you love him, you'll be faithful. If you love him, you'll be in your place. If you love him, you'll seek him. If you love him, you'll pray. If you love him, you'll praise. If you love him, you'll worship him because he is enthroned in your heart. And he calls the love out of your heart. Nothing else. Nothing else. We hear so much about film stars and sports stars. and People say, my favorite film or whatever. <laughs> Pop stars and rock stars. We hear of sports become the new God. There's nothing wrong with a lot of the sports and enjoying your sport. It's when it becomes your God and calls your heart out over the place of Christ. Martin Luther, the old reformer, once said, that to which your heart clings is your God. What do you think of that? I'll say it again. That to which your heart clings to is your God. I think for a moment. Who is my God? What is my God? Let's dethrone him 
Let's dethrone it. Let's dethrone them and place Christ back on the throne again and serve him and love him with all our hearts. The church is Laodicean period in Revelation chapter 3. The Laodicean church is a church which makes Jesus want to vomit. I will spew thee out of my mouth, he said. It's the church before his coming again. And that's the church day and age we're in today. Oh, may the Lord help us this morning to love Jesus more. To fall in love with him. Over and over again. So notice this. He says, the world passeth away and the lust thereof. But he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. We have an old saying in society. You can't take it with you. And many Christians preach it to the unsaved. You know what? You can't take it all with you. You can't take it with you. Christian, could I say something to all of us? You can't take it with you either. You'll not take your favorite actor or sports star or have friends over in America and they call Hollywood, 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 because of what it does to hearts of people. And who runs it? Illuminati threw it and everything. And we seek it. And we watch it so much. We run after it. We chase after it. And we love it with all of our hearts. And suddenly the love of Christ that was in us, that burned bright now, seems to glow. But a dim smoldering ember is there. Where are we with God this morning? I could stand on the top of this table in front of me and shout with the volume of these speakers up as loud as I can. Brothers and sisters, let's fall in love with Jesus again. Let's fall in love with Jesus like the start. Let's fall in love with Jesus over and over and over again. Let's get back to the place we once were with passion in our souls for him. But I wonder how many of us will say, Wasn't that okay this morning? It was a bit loud. And you go home, we are still not in love with him. If we love him, we will serve him. You know, Andrew Stalin and and Ian Davison, no relative, I have a day in the middle, he hasn't. And... I didn't know you called him Dickie until he was testifying on Friday night. And that was his nickname. They gave their testimonies. I missed Andrew's apologies, Andrew. But I was here on Friday night and Ian gave his testimony. He told about how the Lord had taken him from a place of alcohol and drugs and things, all different things. And do you know what he said? It wasn't even what he said, it was how he said it. He was saying about since he's got saved... See, he's in that first love period. Do you know the first love period when you just loved him? Do you know the first love period when you just couldn't wait to go and pray? 
You know the first love period when you just couldn't wait on a Sunday to get back to church that night? Do you know the first love period when you just wanted to serve him during the week? There's nothing too big. Do you know that first love period when you're walking through work and you're singing hymns and psalms and spiritual songs and making melody in your heart unto the Lord? Do you know that first love period when you were afraid to look left or right in case you upset the Lord or in case anything was to limit or hinder him? That's what I got from it. The first love. And Jesus said to the church of Ephesus, Revelation chapter 2, I see all your works. It's great. Nevertheless, I have somewhat against thee because thou hast left thy first love. Repent therefore, he says. Now, hold on a minute. Hold on a minute, pastor. Now, preacher, hold on a wee second. I thought Christians didn't need to repent. Well, you need to take it up with Jesus. You need to take it up in First John. It means change your mind. Change our mind, brothers and sisters. We're in the murmuring mindset. We're in the complaining mindset toward God. We're in the place where the church has become a, well, we'll become like the world. We'll, we'll, it'll draw them to us. It doesn't. The world becomes the overcomer then. The world is the one who fills you. The world is the one who draws you. The world is the thing that takes you and grabs hold of you. And it'll bring you to death. If you sow to the flesh, you will reap of the flesh corruption. But if you sow to the Spirit, hallelujah, you reap life everlasting. Christian, what are you sowing? I'm turning this into a harvest message, and it's all right, because it's harvest today. We're finished now. Listen to what it says in this. I'm going to need another week or two to do this. Notice what it says in verse 17. The world passeth away and the lust thereof, but he that doeth the will of God abideth forever. How do we get around this? This is a big, 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 big doctrine. Let's put doctrine to the side and let's take it for what it is this morning. There are those who are in the church and there are those outside the church who were refuting the word of God. They were saying that Jesus couldn't walk on water. He wasn't born in a virgin. Listen, see if Jesus wasn't born of a virgin, then he wasn't God. And see if he isn't God, then we aren't saved. He was born of a virgin. He is God. He was God. He was and is and is to come, we sang this morning. That is whom he is. And they're saying all these things. They're setting apart and they were saying, no, 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 the things of the Spirit, no, you need to leave those things. And here we have it. And he says, there are those separating themselves, sensual, not having the Spirit. Herein is the problem then. Here's the problem for you and for I and for every Christian that would hear this this morning. What about those who, who, who abide forever? What about those with the lust and, and it dies with the world? It means there's coming a day of reckoning. There's coming a day of judgment. There's coming a day when you and I, we will stand as believers before the Bema seat or the great white throne of Christ, or the white throne judgment seat of Christ. And then there's a great white throne judgment for the unbeliever. And if they have not the Spirit, it means they are not saved. They're not saved. If you don't have the Holy Ghost, I'm not talking about speaking in other tongues now. I'm talking about if you're not a Christian who loves the Lord and your life is not showing the fruit of it. You're not saved. 
And the world will pass away in the sense that God will come in fire and judgment. And those who do not have the Spirit will pass away with it. Wow, what a Sunday morning. thought you were going into the harvest this morning. God, there's a harvest. God, there's a harvest. But they who do the word of God, the will of God, listen, abideth forever. Abideth. Boy. Praise the name of God. I'm going to give an, an account. I told you this before. I'm going to give an account. I'm going to give an account for you, Stephen, and for you, Margaret, and for you, Elizabeth, for you, Richard. I'm going to give an account for you, Earl, and you, Philip. And I'm going to give an account for you, Arne and Angela. I'm going to give an account for, for Daniel and for Paula. I'm going to give an account for Eileen here and for Mrs. Beatty and for Barry and go right down the whole way down, right down to the back of the church here. I'm going to give an account of what I've told you, what I didn't tell you, how I led you, what I taught you, and you will stand beside me, as it were, at this great place giving an account. And whenever you give an account, you will try and make your cause why you weren't serving, why you didn't do, why you didn't yield, why you didn't obey and come under the command of God, why you pushed away the things of God. And the Lord will say to me, what did you teach them? And I'd say, Lord, I told them. And he will know it all. For those who are not saved, they'll stand before the great white throne judgment and there's no more return for you. There's no more hope for you. Today, if you hear his voice, harden not your heart. Harden not your heart. As in the day of provocation, the Lord says, don't provoke me anymore. Don't provoke the Lord. I've closed, but I want to say, as Philip's going to give us a couple of announcements in a moment, but I want to tell you this, folks. There's not one of you in this side or that side or in this room or with the children or wherever they are. There's not one of you I don't care for or love in the Lord. And I mean that. Not one of you. Some of you sometimes make it up my nose. They're on my goat. And I make it up your nose and on your goat. Then point at you. Steve was doing that. I wasn't pointing at you. I was doing that and Steve was like, I wasn't pointing at you, Steve. But I love you. I love you. I love you in him. That's why sometimes you hear a message here you might not hear everywhere else because I love you. Because I'm conscious that I'm going to give an account and I want to keep myself right. It's time we started doing that. It's time we started. Keep ourselves right. God bless you.